We're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. We're the backbone of the state of Texas. Creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. I'm Wade Howard, joined by my co-host, Dan Sell. Thanks for joining us this week. Dan, where are we headed? Well, Wade, we are headed to Fredericksburg, Texas with uh, Bradley and Catherine of Hatton Heart Farm. Uh, we're going to discuss providing produce for restaurants and marketing goats from horn to hoof. Bradley, Catherine, how are y'all today? We're great. Wonderful. Dan, yourself? Doing well, doing well. Excited to have y'all on the show. Thank y'all for having us. Not Absolutely. Why don't Why don't y'all start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and and Hat and Heart Farms? Uh, well, I'll go first. My name is Catherine Tanner, and um, my partner Bradley is here with me. And um, we own and operate Hat and Heart Farm in Fredericksburg, Texas, and. Basically, the farm has been running for 50 years, and Bradley's parents started the farm in 1970 as Oma and Opa's farm, and then he's the youngest of five children, and so we took over the farm operations. His parents more or less retired last year. And so Bradley is a sixth generation farmer. I am a first generation farmer and we grow seasonal vegetables year round. Um, We're diversified operation and we also have a laying hen operation and a meat goat operation. So let's, let's just dive into things. You said you're diversified. Um, What, what all kinds of things do y'all grow there? Oh, a wide variety of things. Um, so in the winter times, it's greens, leafy things. Uh, we have a greenhouse, so we'll grow tomatoes in there. Uh, right now we have tomatoes, green onions, green garlic. Uh, Leeks, cabbage, Brussels sprouts. Um, and so we, and then in the summer, we're producing a lot of okra so many peppers mm-hmm. and we do from bell pepper jalapenos mm-hmm. anaheims. anaheims and then we do like seven varieties of tomatoes um we'll do peas and beans i mean squash cucumbers mm-hmm. we do it all and you said you had had a greenhouse so you, you do some tomatoes in is is everything else kind of just outside in, in beds or y'all do it in the ground uh, yeah, kind of tell us about your setup there yeah. The majority of everything is grown in the field, but we have a few things that are grown inside the, the greenhouse. Um, uh, they're raised beds. Um, there's four four rows in there, uh, which we're constantly rotating through, uh, at least on the leafy greens. The tomatoes are kind of an all-winter thing. And then our outdoor grow space is anywhere from five to eight acres at a time. How do you, how do you do or how do you take care of your weed uh, population? Because I'm sure there's not just you know uh, using a, a a hoe to kill weeds. You're having to do some other things as well, maybe some goats or something. But how do you uh, keep control of of your weed population in that? One one of the things we do is rotate our crops, and then we'll turn the animals in on that in that spot. Um, we'll we'll do a lot of hoeing. We do a lot of 
we were we started using a bio 360 plastic mulch it's made from cornstarch and it slows down just about everything except the johnson's grass Mm -hmm. that makes sense so you you do a lot um to to keep things sustainable there um at the farm what what does sustainability mean to y'all and and why is it so important to y'all so sustainability for us um, really means what it says in the sense that we want to sustain um, our operation and our land for generations to come. We don't want to use it all up um, or degrade it um, too much. We also want to make sure that you know we can continue operating and to not have the operation expenses outweigh what we can actually produce. And we want to make a good living from it. So things that we do to um, be sustainable are. <coughs> we, we use, we, we also do meat production with the goats. So we'll use every piece of that animal, except for, we haven't figured out what to do with the hooves yet. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we use every other part of the animal. Yeah. So we'll tan the hides. Um, we sell the bones. We, um, have found a use for the heads as a, a delicacy item. Um, and so every single aspect of the animal is no waste and then, and appreciated, you know, used and appreciated because um, we don't want to waste any part of that animal. And then another thing we do is, is when we go to the farmer's markets and we also work with a lot of restaurants but whatever they don't buy, things that we can pickle, we will pickle to sell later down the road. So we do a lot of preservation. We're famous for our pickled okra um, and our dill pickles. And then we're experimenting with um, other like pickled peppers and things like that. Um, in addition, we talked about having um, winter growing in the greenhouse. We actually heat our high tunnel with um, a used oil heater and we collect the used fry oil from the restaurants we work with. Um, and so that wasted oil um, in the restaurant is used to heat and grow the vegetables that they then in turn buy again. Okay. So, so you work with restaurants with, with, I'm, I'm assuming your produce, uh, how, how do you do that with like communication and everything and how well does it work to like, say to one chef, we've got this or whatever. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah. Um, we work with, uh, 25 restaurants. Um, now not all of them in a single week, but, uh, <laughs> we have a wonderful list of chefs and Bradley started working with them like a decade ago. And that's when it all started. Um, but I will send a list out once a week of our availability. Um, and I'll kind of let the chefs know if something is in shorter supply or something is a bumper crop. So they know, you know, a little bit of, can I buy, you know, in huge, huge, huge volume or, you know, Oh, should I, should I send my order in quickly before they run out? Um, and so we do Wednesday deliveries and we do Saturday market pickups for the chefs. Um, and basically it's first come first serve if there's a limited quantity of something and then, uh, we'll give price breaks for mass quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really fun to work with the restaurants. We have really 
grown with our restaurants and um, our farmers markets are still our first. Um, bread and butter. Yeah, they're our bread and butter, the farmers right. markets. But um, our our chef relationships are really special and gaining momentum for us. Do, do restaurants reach out? Like a, if a new restaurant pops up uh, in mm-hmm. Austin, do they reach out to y'all, or do y'all reach out to them to try to try to create that relationship? Um, either way, it's kind it, of funny. Yeah, it, go, it goes <laughs> both ways. So the my original <laughs> restaurants, I was at the farmers market in Austin and. They they walked up and who I really like this thing and then we started developing relationships from there. Some of those some of those uh, orders have gone on to become restaurant owners and and it just grows and it's crazy. Yeah, and then sometimes there will be you know hot new restaurants or you know the top ten lists will come out for the state and for the for the city. And um, I'll kind of put a little star next to their name. And um, once or twice a year, I'll actually make up some baskets of, you know, our produce for that time, a little sample basket and and just deliver it to the restaurant and, and just let them know that, you know, we do love working with chefs and we'd love to work with them if if they like what they see and taste. And oftentimes that that results in a in, in a positive relationship as well. But Bradley's under more under the impression that, you know, our reputation should precede us and, um, you know, word yeah. of mouth should lead them <laughs> to us. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that, Bradley. Uh, I'm totally stalking y'all on Instagram at the moment. Y'all have a lot of goats. Uh, <laughs> and I, we don't need that getting back to my uh, sweet girlfriend, but kind of, <laughs> What kind of program do y'all have with that? Like, what do y'all do with goats uh, in, in detail, I guess? So we do a couple of things. We we run a registered herd and, a, and a, any of our culls, they then become meat goats uh, uh, that we slaughter and, and sell at the markets and to the restaurants. Uh, the ones that we that are our number ones, we try and sell online through Facebook and things like that mm-hmm. for breeding stock. Yeah, and tell them how you got the like. How did the goats even begin? <laughs> I got my first. I got five goats when I was sixteen. That was my first round of goats. Um, uh, I bought them with livestock show money that I'd won through Houston and at the local livestock at the local stock show um and i just kind of slowly grew it from there so i still still have most of my original stock um bloodlines i mean um anyway so yeah that makes sense so so you're you have a registered herd of of goats and a commercial herd yeah i didn't know there was such a thing uh, Catherine, you mentioned that you're a first generation farmer, and Bradley, you're a sixth generation farmer. Um, explain the dynamics of of how y'all work together on the farm, and 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 kind of the differences of opinions about how things should be done. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> um, I'll go first. So, so, oh my gosh, there, where do we start? Okay. So basically, um, I'm a first generation farmer. 
I literally met Bradley as a customer at the farmer's market. In Wimberley, Texas. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the dynamic between us is one of teacher and student on both sides of the equation. She brings a lot of table things to the table that I would never have thought of. And I feel like I'm getting an associate's degree in agriculture every month. <laughs> um, and so basically the, the work is cut out a little bit that Bradley is primarily um, on the ground, in the field, at the farm, making those decisions. And I am primarily the one running the business side, working with um, our customers, training salespeople. Um, and, and working on marketing and all of that. And so, but that doesn't mean that Bradley hasn't had a lot to teach me on the sales aspect. <laughs> and well, we were doing all right. And now we're doing a whole lot better. So. <laughs> I <Yeah. get> you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm also out there harvesting every harvest day, um, working the goats with him, learning as much as I possibly can about anything from irrigation to pest control. I mean, every, every single thing. Like We talk about every aspect of the farm, and I think we're both trying to share our expertise because I do come from a marketing and sales background, and he does come from the ag background. Um, and so I think it's a really great um, pairing. What do you think? I think it's a great pairing. I think she pretty well covered everything from my perspective. I want to I want to mention that one of the biggest um, differences between the sixth and the first generation is that there's a lot that Bradley does innately or as second nature because he's done it his entire life. And it is like a brand new thing for me. Mm -hmm. um. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I also I've also done construction and welding and things like that, and all those things come in major handy. Right, um, right. I can repair most things too on the mechanical end, which is amazing. <laughs> and then um, the cultural aspect too, like you were in 4-H and FFA, and you know went to dance halls and rodeos and just the, just the entire, I mean, you know, like every Bob Wills song and I didn't even listen to a country song until I was in high school and I never touched, you know, a goat or <clears throat> was involved in livestock showing or, you know, I'd never worked in a field. I'd never done anything like that. Um, and so and so it's the cultural aspect of it. I mean, there's a cultural aspect to agriculture and those that have, you know, grown up in it and, and it's just part of their DNA. Um, I have a lot of respect for that. And it's been interesting as a first generation farmer sort of, you know, making my way into that and, and um, having a lot of respect for it, but also having a really long learning curve to, uh, to, to learn. I really admire, I really admire her, her want to, to learn, to, to grow in this. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Right. That, that is, that takes a learning curve. I mean, I, I can't imagine coming from where I am to starting something brand new that, that I, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about. So that, that takes a lot of, 
uh, uh, get up and go kind of mentality. And I, I don't know if I'd have that for something like that. But, you know, a lot of people say, or a lot of farmers say it's in my blood, but I also wonder how many people who aren't in farming have it in their blood, but don't have the opportunity like you've got, Catherine, to, to take in to, to work on that. That's really neat. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Right. Yeah. I think I think there's an untold number of people like that that would love to to be able to have the opportunity. They just don't get okay. the opportunity or something. Mm-hmm. Catherine, you're, yeah. I mean, you, you've, you're, you're a first generation farmer. When, when people come into you at farmer's markets and they want to talk about your produce and how it's gro- grown, do you find that you can connect to them closer uh, because you're, you're newer to the, the agricultural world? I, I feel like I can. Uh, I remember the first several months that I was uh, working the farmer's market because that's actually how I started was, was just doing the markets. And, um, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, I actually don't know. I need to ask that or that or that. And um, so as I've grown um, with the farm, I feel like I'm seeing it from the outside in because I have been um, a farmer's market shopper most of my life. Um, and I, I've i actually seeked out farmer's markets all around the world as I've traveled um, as one of my favorite things to do. And so getting a chance to um, speak about it in, in a more informed way to customers like myself has been really incredible. Um, and I think, I think it's made a, a difference for sure. The other thing I mentioned, I want to mention, <laughs> is that it doesn't only take a want or a desire to go into farming or the skills to go into farming, it takes a heck of a lot of courage Mm -hmm. and just straight up bravery because it's some of the biggest gambling you can do in a professional environment. I mean, because as a profession, you are at the mercy of so many things out of your control. And so not only do you have to, you know, want and have the skills to do, but you have to have literally enough get up and go and courage to move on to the next day if your entire crop was ruined by something, either an early freeze or a late freeze or a crazy pest or hail or anything. I mean, there's so much that can damage your livelihood within a couple hours. And I mean, it can change like that. And so I think um, going into farming, people get really excited about it potentially, but um, there's, there's so much courage really that goes into this profession. Mm-hmm. So how do you work on, on uh, allowing other people, like getting them involved on your farm, uh, especially like, like students or so, cause y'all are in a popularity area. Uh, for the most part, compared to to where I live, and and do you have the opportunity to share with with the younger generation, if you will, about farming uh, on the scale that y'all farm? So we're, we're we're working on it a lot. Um, we've we've got an intern for the first time uh, from the San Antonio was it Palo, Alto? Palo Alto College. Palo Alto College. Um, we have. We've started working with the FFA in Johnson City and Fredericksburg to bring in horticulture students that want to learn how to actually 
know, do it on a larger scale. Um, what else? We, yeah, so we've got the summer program for the high school students and we've got the internship for um, college students that are interested in, in something like that. We started volunteer days too. Mm-hmm. We started volunteer days and then we actually had an art contest to design a new market bag that we opened up to all the local high school students and we had a little contest and it was very fun. But we're wanting to, like looking into the future, we're wanting to have um, a consistent internship program, a consistent relationship with the local high schools. Um, and we're also wanting to do more workshops where uh, you know students can come and do field trips. Um, but there's so many people that just like want to know just the basic things about where their food comes from. And we'd like to be a place where, you know, especially young people can get a hands-on experience for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a great segue into, into social media. I mean, y'all, y'all post a lot of pictures of, of the produce of your goats. Um, why do y'all put such a high value on social media and putting out good ta- content to your followers? I think ultimately we are a business um, and we want to share what we're doing with the world. And also social media is a two way street. We follow a ton of people and comment on things that we learn from. Um, But as far as posting goes, I mean, ultimately it's, it basically has to do with sales. Um, we're able to reach a larger customer base. People are able to know where we are, how to find us. Um, we've gained, gosh, as just as wholesale clients, I think we've gained probably eight just from our social media account. Um, and those are very valuable relationships for us that actually contribute to our bottom line. And then people also get to see what we're doing at the markets and are more encouraged to come out and see us at the markets and not just us, but everyone at the markets. Um, And we'd also like to eventually invite people to come to an on-farm farm stand. And we hope to do that in the next year or so. And um, that way people already feel like they're connected to what we're doing and we don't have to start from square one because they feel like they're part of our story too. Do, do, do chefs ever want to come out there and see, see stuff firsthand? Absolutely. Absolutely. We had uh, uh, Bryce Gilmore and some of his group of his three restaurants come out last year Um. um a new restaurant here in Fredericksburg. He they came out and helped plan at the at a volunteer day last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, chefs love to know where the food comes from, um, and they'll bring their whole staffs to come out and take a tour, and yeah. we love it. Yeah, we have another chef that wants to come help us pick, which is really sweet. And they help uh, when they come out when when chefs come out for a tour. We always start out um, gathering eggs, <laughs> and it's like Easter. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's an Easter egg hunt, and it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, they have a blast. Yeah, and then and then we usually go see the um, the vegetables, and we'll pick a few things and talk about you know how vegetables are made. <clears throat> 
and then and then we'll finish up if we have baby goats then we'll uh we'll do some baby goat pictures so y'all, y'all mentioned y'all mentioned farmers markets um you mentioned restaurants um for for somebody in the the Fredericksburg San Antonio Austin area how can they get their hands on on some of your produce well in Austin we're the SSC downtown market. It's a Republic Square Park on Saturdays, um, nine to one. We're also at Pearl in San Antonio on Sunday at the old Pearl Brewery down there. That's that's a ten to two. And we also have a list of all the restaurants that we work with on our website, hatandheart.com. I'm looking through these restaurants, and it's it makes me want to go to Austin and eat food because. Yes. <laughs> it's, some, it's some real cool places on there. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Alyssa Nolan on an episode and we asked her um, kind of on the spot, best pizza in Austin. And she thought about it for a second, but she said East Side Pies. And that's it's real cool to see see that restaurant on y'all's list. Um, kind of a podcast, podcast guest connection there, uh, Dan. Yeah, that is pretty neat. So, so, guys, we talked about social media we talked about that i've got one more question then we might wrap it up but where did you come up with the name of hat and heart farm i'm curious so the, most of the time i'm always wearing a hat mm-hmm. she's got a great heart ah there we go so that's yeah we both wear a lot of hats and we both love each other very much (laughs) (laughs) but i i always love to say he's the hat and i'm the heart ah that makes sense i love it uh Mm -hmm. if if whoever's listening at the moment uh would like to find you on social media where can they find you on so we're on instagram at hat and heart farm and you can also find us on facebook hat and heart farm and then um, we also have a website, and that's www.hatandheart.com. Well, Catherine, Bradley, we thank y'all for hopping on with us. I think Dan and I probably both learned a lot, and we, we look forward to, to visiting with y'all down the road. Yeah, for sure. Thank y'all for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.